I was just copying content from Google images and blog posts. But then at around 900 followers, I got my first client and I was like shouting on Twitter that I got my first client and I had 900 followers back then. And in two hours, I got 300 more followers. So I went from 900 to I think 1200 or 1300 in just two to three hours. And I figured out that all right, people want to know people are interested in this stuff more than whatever content I am copying from Google. So I just built my whole agency in public. Welcome to another episode of Hype Fury Presents. In this episode, I talked to Don Vesh. You know, a lot of people overcomplicate success. That's one of the reasons this is my next guest because Don Vesh, he's just a 70 year old kid who basically one day decided he was going to try something and make some money with it. In a matter of days, Don Vesh created an agency and he is now making tons of money. In this episode, we break down what Don Vesh's system was to starting his cold outreach agency and how you can do it too. He didn't want to mention it on a podcast, but he is making some serious cash in a red sea. Many people would think that there are no more opportunities to start a lead gen agency. I think you couldn't be more wrong. My name is Unique, co-founder of Hype Fury, and I hope you enjoy the show. Oh, and by the way, if you're on iTunes, please click subscribe. And if you're on Spotify, please click the follow button. Thank you and enjoy the show. Hey, Don Vesh, nice to have you here. For people who don't know you, tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. Nice to be here. I'm excited for this thing. And I'm Don Vesh. That's just my internet name. I'm in first year of university. I'm studying computer science. I have this cold outreach agency, legion agency, and then I spend the rest of my free time messing around on Twitter. When did you actually find out about Twitter? I used to use Twitter back in 2017, 2018. I found out money Twitter, I think in May 2020. Yeah, May 2020, I found out Chris Johnson with his famous like gumroad screenshots of like whatever 50k 70k in one week and i was like what the is going on here yeah that was crazy i saw that too that's also one of the first people from money twitter that came on my radar and so you thought hey i can do this as well what do you think about that yeah so i found him and then i found a bunch of other ecom guys who were posting i don't know if they had their own brand or if they were doing drop shipping whatever but they were posting like 500k one mil a month. And then I was like, why is no one talking about all this money that is being made here? And I thought if I am able to make even 10% of that, 10% of 500k, then I'll be like set for life. So I thought, let's just see what's going on. And I followed a bunch of guys. I followed Chris Johnson and other ecom guys back then. And then maybe David Perel, Matthew Kobach, people like those. And slowly I found Money Twitter. The first probably couple of weeks, months, you maybe only follow people. But there was like a probably a moment in time where you thought, hey, I'm going to start tweeting myself. How did that go? Back then, the famous trend was like, you have to grow your account to 1000 followers, and then you can sell a Twitter growth guide and you can make money online. And I was like, oh my God, this is so easy. I just have to get 1000 followers somehow. 
and then I will either make my own Twitter growth ebook or I'll affiliate for something and I can make money online. It's so easy. So I started my own Platitude account <laughs> in first week of June last year. That's this account you're on right now? Yeah, this is the same account. What were your first tweets like? How did you start? So I didn't know anything, but I was not posting platitudes in the beginning. I was, maybe it was platitude kind of content, I don't know. But I was just trying to find, I was Googling stuff about whatever marketing and advertising and making money online and all this stuff. And my content strategy, I <laughs> I had a very special content strategy. And I used to go to Google Images for tweets. And then I used to read blog posts for threads. And I just used to like copy all of that stuff, <laughs> reword it, and then tweet it. It's the best way. Just steal stuff, make it your own with your own words. And you got a great tweet. I don't know how much I changed it. Maybe I should delete some of those earlier tweets but i don't know i don't care <laughs> probably everybody who's just starting out is doing something like that you know you're trying to find your own voice you're trying to see what kind of response you get what kind of engagement you get so yeah i don't think that's it wasn't even about finding my voice i thought i don't know anything like i don't have any real life skills i had just passed out of school and i didn't know anything about the real world so i thought what should I tweet about? Like, I don't have any business. I don't make any money. I don't know anything. Like, I was 17 back then. So I thought, why would anyone listen to me? And then I would just copy stuff just to have something, just to get to 1,000 followers. Like, that was my goal. How did you get your first 1,000 followers? Was it Because, you know, when you start out, you have zero followers. Did you start commenting on, like, the big guys? Did they respond? Or did people follow you from those guys? I used to do what everyone was telling me to do and that was just reword the tweet and comment it. <laughs> it went pretty well. Like I won't say right now these days I get annoyed when people just reword my tweet and comment. But back then it worked for me. So I used to reword the tweets and comment under big accounts like for 50k, 100k followers. I got some followers like I think I had notifications on for Nawal and then I just used to explain his tweet because he had his tweets in one sentence. So I used to write a whole paragraph and maybe I got some followers that way. And the big guys probably thought, who is this guy rewording my tweets? But people who were following them, they thought, hey, this is interesting. I'm, I'm going to comment. I'm going to follow this guy. Yeah, I actually got like two, three DMs from a very big account. And he was like, if you do this thing again, I'll block you. <laughs> he got pretty annoyed, but now we are like good friends. And so you were not in school last year. You were maybe, was it was like a gap year or did you quit school? Or what did you do? Yeah, so I had graduated from school and I was waiting for getting admission into university. But due to COVID, the university was closed, so I was stuck at home. And then I think there was like one course that stood out to you. How did you come to that? Why did you want to start your own agency? How did that go? I didn't initially plan to start an agency. Back then, everyone was telling me there were two kinds of people. The first type of people were telling me to grow a platitude account and sell a twitter growth course but then i quickly realized that i can't spend my whole life selling a 15 dollar ebook so this is not a very good business model so i tried finding other stuff like 
Amazon, like whatever publishing and all that stuff, drop shipping. I was so close to starting my own drop shipping thing, but I didn't. The second kind of people were telling me to learn copywriting and sales. So I thought, all right, I should probably get some books. And I got great leads, cashvertising three, four books, and I just read them. And then I thought I should do freelance copywriting instead of doing dropshipping. Like dropshipping, I thought it's very complex. I can make so much money, but it's very, very complex. So I should start with normal freelance copywriting. So I got a couple of books. I read them and then I thought, all right, now I need to figure out how do I get clients. And then I did some outreach in Twitter DMs, Instagram DMs. I made like $150, $200 from that. But then I thought, how can I get $2,000, $3,000 copywriting clients? And two months before, I didn't even know what copywriting is. And now I was trying to get a $2,000 client. Obviously, I was not a very good copywriter, so I couldn't close any clients, but I got cold email mastery. I thought, all right, so many people are signing clients through cold email, so I should learn how to send cold emails. I got that one, and then that didn't work out pretty well. Like I didn't have so much experience in copywriting, so I couldn't get many clients. I couldn't even get one big client, so I thought, all right, now this copywriting thing is not working but then at the same time there were many people who were starting their own cold email agency and i thought i have this one course it has everything related to cold email so if i want to start my own cold email agency i already have all the knowledge so i should just try this thing out maybe it was shiny object syndrome but it worked out pretty well for me and I got my first client in October and then two, three more in November. You did the course. What stood out and what were the first things you did? was a very good course. It's super actionable. And if anyone is listening to it and they want to get it, I highly recommend it. It's very actionable. And I figured out that, all right, Daniel told me, like mentioned in the course, that there are these three, four softwares that you're supposed to get and you need to get a first line writer to personalize all the emails and find how to find email addresses of people on the internet and what scripts to use, how to email them. So initially, I didn't want to hire anyone to write the first lines for me just because I was scared that if I hire someone and I'll spend the money, but what if this thing doesn't work out? So I wrote out all the first lines myself for the initial 250, 300 emails. And that's a very tedious thing to do. I hated it. So as soon as I got my first client, I hired a first line writer. But initially, I just copied the script in cold email mastery and I got sales calls and I sucked a lot at the initial three, four calls, but somehow I closed the client. But it was difficult for me in the initial sales calls, but I got my first client without even like getting on the phone. They just paid me through email only and I didn't have to get on phone with them. If I had to, maybe I wouldn't get that first client, but they were very rich guys, so they didn't want to spend their time on getting on phone with me, and it was just like $1,200. So they sent the money, and I started working with them. What email did you send? Maybe you can recall it. And what did you say on the sales call? 
in my initial emails i didn't have any case studies so i just told them that i'm doing cold outreach and if you want to get clients you should do cold outreach it works better than facebook ads because you choose who you are getting on the phone with and the prospects are qualified and it's very cheap so i gave them like two three ideas in the first email and then more benefits of why they should be using cold outreach to generate leads for their business and get clients so that was like my whole sequence for doing outreach in the beginning i just told them why they should try cold email instead of telling them why they should hire me just because i didn't have any testimonials or case studies or anything what type of businesses did you approach and what kind of clients were they looking for i was initially targeting marketing agencies and my first client was an seo agency they were doing seo for a very strange niche which is like dog trainers so it was a very unique niche and it was relatively easier for me to get results for them just because there was not much competition in the dog training niche i didn't even know that this is like a niche before working with them how did you then find clients for your first clients i just did the same thing i had done for myself so i got a domain for them and then i got like two first line writers for my first four clients so maybe for the first client i had just one writer i think and then they were personalizing all the emails and i managed everything in mailshake and stuff at that time i was just sending cold emails no linkedin no cold calling nothing like that so i managed everything in mailshake i scraped all the emails i did all of that stuff i used one of their case studies of how they generated more revenue using seo and it was easy because it was very less competitive in that niche and the second thing is they had good case studies what was the business model what did you charge per lead how did that go for my first client i had a $1200 set of fees that was for the first 3 weeks and after that i was charging them $1500 per month and i promised them that they'll get at least 10 calls every month and that worked out i think they got more than 10 calls in the second month just because the first 3 weeks you have to do warm up and all that stuff so you can't really get any results in the first 3 weeks So they did the calls and how was the quality how did you manage that I first figured out that I have to make a form a questionnaire form in their calendly so they can qualify everyone before getting on a call with them and in that form you can have questions like what's your monthly revenue what's your budget for marketing services what's your pricing and based on that i talked to my client and figured out that all right your ideal client needs to have at least 50k per month revenue so if you're getting on the phone with anyone who is making like 5k per month it doesn't even make sense to talk to them so just downsell them a course or a small one hour consultation calls how do you set that up how do you think about what questions to ask how did that come about i don't know maybe i found it in cold email mastery or maybe i did it myself but i just had like i just edited some questions in the calendly they already had questions and i added two three more questions about their current revenue and budget and that's how i qualified them it's very difficult to 
qualify based on their revenue before emailing them just because most database softwares don't have like their actual revenue so you have to first get a meeting with them and then ask them about their revenue themselves and how did you get all the emails you then cold emailed back then i think i used decent lead finder to find leads in that niche and for people who don't know decent lead finder how does that work Decent Lead Finder is for local businesses. I don't recommend it right now. You should try something like Clean Leads or Uplead or Apollo. But it has like very low quality leads. Now, when I think about it, it worked out well for me. It was cheap, but the quality of leads is not good. I think you should get Clean Leads or Apollo for local businesses. Maybe Apollo doesn't have local businesses, but you can use Clean Leads. And let's say... I'm new at cold emailing. I'm also new at using those types of software. How does it work and how do you get emails out of it? Let's take the example of clean leads. So you can either use LinkedIn extract. So you have to search in LinkedIn that I want these kinds of people. You can search like consultants or coaches or anything like that. And then clean leads comes with an extension and it can extract the name, email and all the details from their LinkedIn profile. And if you're working with local businesses, clean, you just have to search what kind of local business you want, and then they'll give you domains. And then you have to plug those domains again, find out like the CEO or CMO emails from that. So let's say you got your first clients, you hired a bunch of writers because I guess you weren't confident in your own writing skills or how'd that go? I was quite bored of it. Like it's a very hardworking and tedious job. I was very bored of it. So I hired a first line writer. That's very capitalistic of you. <laughs> like the initial 300 first lines I wrote, I hated that so much. I thought I should just quit right now. And it's it's very boring. Like I don't know how people write first lines, but it was very boring for me. And I was very slow at it too. So the writers I have right now, in three minutes, they can do one or two leads. I used to take 10 minutes for one lead. So I'm like three or four times slower. And how did you find those writers? And what's like the business model for that? Do you pay them per line or per hour? I got the first line writers from Upwork and I used to pay them $9 per hour. $9 an hour. That's pretty good huh? because part of like the entire, I guess, system is, you know, the only two manual things you got to do is you got to write all the first lines and you got to gather all the emails and then you just import them into any sort of like email system and then merge it and click send. Yeah, you have to also like write the cold email script also, but it has to be done only once. And then the only manual thing is writing first lines and putting everything in one place in Mailshake. What happened after your first couple of clients in the dog niche? I had only one client in the dog niche. And then in November, I got really excited and I closed like four or five new clients. But obviously, I didn't have any systems. I didn't know how to run a business. I didn't have a team. I just had two freelancers with me. So it didn't work out well. I lost all the four new clients I got in November. And I was back two clients in December. And I got a very good lesson from that. And then I slowly scaled from there. So getting all the SOPs and systems ready, hiring people before getting new clients. 
what were the main failures? What were the main reasons that you lost the clients? I was just doing too much work and I didn't have the systems for communication. Like if you have six clients and two freelancers are working with you, it's just too much work for both of those writers and then for yourself also. So back then I was like working 11, 12 hours a day. It was very hard, but still I used to work 11, 12 hours and I had my writers working maybe eight, 10 hours a day and still I couldn't get results for the clients. So I had to drop them. Why didn't you get the results? Was that because, you know, you just couldn't get emailing or the script was wrong or what happened? Cold email is just like Facebook ads. So you have to constantly test each thing and you also need to have a good volume. And I couldn't do both of them. So I couldn't send as many cold emails and I couldn't even test the subject lines or angles or the CTAs before trying to like double down so I just used one thing for one client and it was it gets pretty hard once you are yourself trying to get results for six clients and you have no previous experience and I couldn't get them results because of that like no testing and too much work. How many emails do you need to send in order to be able to test CTAs, test the subject lines? For the subject lines I think you should send emails in batches of 25 to 30 and after you get like 75 80 85 percent open rate then your subject line is good and then you have to test the angle and all that stuff in batches of 75 to 100 emails first you test the subject line then you test the angle in batches of 75 to 100 and how much do you need for the, the cta for the cta is maybe 75 to 100 is the same for angles and for the CTAs it's the same amount of emails in one campaign you have to have 75 to 100 leads and then you keep testing which campaign is doing better and if campaign 3 is doing better what kind of CTA does it have so you keep eliminating until you have the best one what's your process of creating better subject lines better scripts better CTAs there are only two, three subject lines and you have to figure out which one to use for which niche. If you're already working in a particular niche, you don't really need to change. You just know that in this niche, this subject line works very well. So the subject lines are like quick question about company name and then first name, email from my name. So if I'm emailing you, it's like Yannick email from Donvish or the other thing could be your company cross my company. So High Fury cross copyright, stuff like that. So you have to add some kind of merge field in the subject line and then you are good. Almost 75 to 80% of the times people will open the email just because you have that personalization in the subject line itself. You failed scaling the first time. You didn't have any processes in place. What did you do to you know have a successful business i hired an account manager to manage like the mail shake stuff all the campaigns i hired two more first line writers and i was not very good at documenting so i just like i just told other people to document what they are doing instead of me documenting everything for everyone just because i was not very good at it 
so after that once i had the basic sop set up and i got like one account manager and myself i was also managing the accounts and then i started to get more clients slowly and what kind of clients were that my first four or five clients were marketing agencies and then after that it's like enterprise saas enterprise companies and all that stuff and why did you choose those niches so with cold outreach it's very difficult to get results for local businesses just because if you are emailing a roofer or whatever hvac guy they don't check their email that often they're spending more time on facebook so it's a good idea to use facebook ads for niches like hvac and all the local businesses and then for the more formal stuff like corporate guys linkedin is much better so i thought i should probably try to work with people who are like me and those people like saas companies they check their email very often marketing agencies coaches consultants those guys are on their email for 24 hours a day i think so for those before niches i think getting results with cold email is very easy comparatively but also e-commerce stores were working well before like last year but it's slowly getting very competitive in the e-com space also did you target like worldwide or what countries did you target i targeted only us let's run through how you approached that the marketing agency angle what were your initial thoughts what were your angles to approach them did you have your testimonials ready stuff like that Yeah so after the first client I had a good case study that and then those clients had like made a video for me that this guy got me these many calls in these many days and you need to have like a specific outcome in a very specific time period so if you are doing let's say SEO you should tell people that I'll increase your revenue by this much or I'll increase your traffic by 50% or whatever in a very specific time period which is for SEO I don't know 6 to 12 months that's what I did and I told every marketing agency that I'll get you qualified calls 10 to 15 for a retainer which was 2000 to 3000 dollars and then slowly after that I switched to paper appointment model just because I was able to get good results but my payment was not proportional to how good results they were getting so instead of a retainer model i switched to a performance basis model a few months later and run us through that model why did you change it and what were the results for the retainer thing it's very like standard that you charge 2k 2.5k or 3k for big companies and then you are like i'll get you 10 to 15 calls but there were many instances where i was able to get them 17 18 calls but so that's almost like double almost 190% results but i was still getting paid the same amount of money so i thought if i have the resources and the capability so instead of trying to get less results i tried to shift all of my clients to a performance basis model or paper call model so for the paper appointment for every qualified call they get they'll have to pay me 250 to 350 dollars so you effectively almost doubled your revenue Yeah it, it was a very good move and then my first three clients were quite reluctant to switch from retainer to pay per appointment or performance just because i would make more money in that case 
So I had them on retainer, but I outsourced the fulfillment to another agency I found from Twitter. So I could pay more attention to the clients I had on performance basis. I guess they could also always say like, hey, those leads were low quality. How did you check that? Because now there was an incentive for you to send more leads, but you know the quality could drop. How did that go? So you have to use a good software. Like, So I switched from cheap software like ICLEs and all that stuff to more expensive stuff like Uplead. And then I got manual scrapers to qualify the leads before. So I told them that if they have a case study on their website, then and only then you're supposed to get their email and all that stuff. And then in the Calendly, I had a tie form before they booked a Calendly meeting. And then the responses from that tie form went to a Google Sheet, which was shared between me and my clients. So both of us could see what kind of prospects they are getting on the call with. You were talking about manual scrapers. Were there actual people that went to every website, checked if there was a testimonial, and if there was, then they'd add it to the list? Yeah, sometimes you can't find good leads on database or scraping softwares. So I got like Upwork freelancers to manually scrape the emails for me. And then I had two, three conditions. One of them was like case studies or testimonials. The other one is like pricing. So if they have like a pricing on their page and they're charging $250 per month, don't scrape their email only scrape their email if they are charging a minimum $5,000 or $4,000 per month. And that's something you discuss with the clients up front. So they knew, hey, we're going to target people who are at least charging this, who have a testimonial. And then you have some kind of agreements on what the quality of the lead is. And you put it in a shared spreadsheet. And you never had any problems with them saying, hey, this was a low quality lead. I don't want to pay for this. Or how did that go? All the client icp and avatar and all the minimum revenue and all that stuff has to be discussed during the onboarding only and then i only get paid if the call is qualified so if the client says that this call was not qualified the prospect was not qualified they couldn't afford our service then i don't get that 300 dollars. it's a very good incentive for me to get them good quality leads And it's a very good incentive for my client also to give their best during the call just because they're paying like $300 for one call. This might be just me playing devil's advocate too much, but why wouldn't they just say more often than in reality, like this wasn't a qualified lead? They can't because like I told you, they have like all the qualifying questions and the responses in a Google sheet. So if the client says like, five times consecutively that the prospects were not qualified. And then I go to Google Sheets and I see that they're making 200K per month. So I'll have to discuss that with them, that why are you saying that the call was not qualified? Yeah, okay. So it's not like they said something in the call, I can't afford this. That will be strange because they were qualified as having a lot of revenue, having all the right metrics. So that will be strange. Yeah, the qualification and interest are two different things. So I have the money to hire an agency to do one thing, but I'm just too scared to spend that money. So it's not that I'm not qualified. It's just that I'm not interested. So 
it's not my fault. It's my client's responsibility to make them interested in their service. So let's move the discussion a little bit over to Twitter because that's where you found money Twitter, you downloaded the course, you did it, and you also started, I guess, building in public, sharing in public. Tell us why you did that and what kind of response you got. Yeah, so in the beginning of this call, I told you that I was just copying content from Google Images and blog posts. But then at around 900 followers, I got my first client and I was like shouting on Twitter that you, I got my first client, this and that. And then I had one tweet that I got my first client and I had 900 followers back then. And in two hours, I got 300 more followers so i went from 900 to i think 1200 or 1300 in just two to three hours and i figured out that all right people want to know people are interested in this stuff more than whatever content i am copying from google so i just built my whole agency in public i was tweeting that yo i'm hiring this first line writer dm me if you want to work with me or i was asking questions on how to build a landing page and all that stuff i was writing threads about how to build your offer how to do fulfillment onboarding right now these days i'm a little bored of twitter but back then i was posting like at least one thread a week giving insights about like the back end of my agency. So if anyone is listening and they want to find that out, just use advanced search and find my tweets from before January. Because after that, I started tweeting more advanced stuff. So like I said, when I got my first client, I tweeted and I was consistently tweeting what I was doing. But then in January, after January in Feb and March, when I was tweeting about how to build systems, how to hire people, how to scale, then I started getting less likes just because there are more beginners on Twitter. So I thought I just can't keep repeating the same stuff of on like how to get your first client. So I have reduced the amount of threads and all that stuff, but it's all already there from last year. When you mentioned that you got your first client, did you actually tag Cold Email Wizard? What did you do? Yeah, I did tag him. I tagged him and I said that something like cool, I got cool email mastery and I got my first client. I think I tagged him. That's also, I think, one of the first moments that you stood out on Twitter. I think that's the case for everyone is that if you have a life, a successful life outside of Twitter, that's when you start to stand out, you know? And yes, you can still do like a plaza gown, but that's, you know, everybody can do that. But as soon as you start having a life and, you know, maybe a business, outside of Twitter, that's when you start to also stand out on Twitter. Yeah, 100%. Like there are so many hustle, muscle, motivation accounts with the same Warren Buffett profile picture or a statue profile picture. And I had a statue profile picture before I had my agency. So if you want to stand out, just have a real business outside of Twitter. So let's say you start over. You don't know anybody on uh, Money Twitter. You're 17 again. What would you do different? Instead of trying to grow my Twitter, I would first try to have a business outside Twitter and I would live tweet everything I was doing. I would just do the same thing I did, but instead, like I would just delete the first three, four months where I was copying content and I would instead share what I was doing outside Twitter, just build in public. 
that's great advice. Too many people are trying to come up with content for Twitter, except what they should be doing is just live an interesting life and then the content will just come out of itself. All right, Don Vesh, this is really interesting. Where can people find you? You can follow me on Twitter at Don Vesh. If you want to find more actionable stuff, find my threads from before. Right now, I'm just more like shit posting and messing around. Which is also a lot of fun. Donvesh, thank you very much. Thank you. This was great. Talk to you soon, Yannick. That's a wrap on this week's episode. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss our next show. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave an iTunes review and give us a shout out on Twitter, sharing your favorite part of this episode. See you again next week.